Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Yeah! To the Sneaker History Podcast. How's everybody doing? Welcome to another episode of the Sneaker History Podcast. I'm Robbie, and I'm here with another great interview episode with my guy, Marco Negrete. How you doing, boss? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited to have you on for a minute. I'm very happy. It's actually linked up and lined up in our lives. So this is going to be a lot of fun. You have been all over the sneaker spectrum, it feels like. You've seen – you're one of the OGs who have, like, really seen the inception of, like, the digital world in sneakers. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation, get some insight about you, what you've done, and kind of what you're up to now. So um, let's just get right into it. So who's Marco? Yo, that's me, uh, Marco Henry Negrete. I have two names. I have to, I have to always throw that out there because people will get confused. Uh, for those for those that who may be viewing who know me as Henry, but yeah, man, I am born and raised Fillmore, California, about an hour outside of LA. Um, went to school in the Bay, studied uh, studied PR, and and grew up loving sneakers, sports, entertainment, just pop culture as a whole. Always wanted to work in that. I went to study at San Jose State University. After that, I worked in tech for a little bit, and then I did that for a couple of years. I decided, man, it's time for me to, to figure this thing out, and, and that's when I moved to New York, and kind of like my sneaker career started. That was about almost six years ago now. That was that was summer 2015. Doesn't everybody have a moment where they're like, I'm tired of being on the sideline, like listening to the conversation or reading the conversation, and you want to be in the conversation with shoes? It's a yeah. I mean, I mean, early, during the intro, you, you described me as an OG, which was kind. But but for me, uh, I see like the same thing. I, I saw the the OGs from from the era before me doing all those things, and you know, I would be reading their work while I was at work and like you know my tech job or my office job or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then to your point, there comes a point where you have to say like, all those people had to take risk. Um, to get to that point, right? It's an industry that everybody wants to work in. There's not a ton of jobs. Thankfully, it's growing. There's more jobs now, but at the time, it was really hard, man. Like to get your foot into the door, you had to be what a designer or a writer um, or some sort of creator at that point. So um, uh, I, I definitely know that feeling. That feeling was was kind of itching me for years, and then finally, you know, at, at some point, you had to do it. You got to give yourself a little more credit because I did the numbers in my brain a couple days ago. Like I've now been in it over 20 years in terms of just like being a dedicated fan to sneakers. Yeah. So 
20 years of experience in something. You're, you're an OG now. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it's one of those us. things where I don't realize we're just getting older, right? There's like some kids now who love shoes who are like 20. Like, oh, well, they probably look at me as, as an old dude in the game now. So uh, I see what you're saying. It's like, man, that Jordan 17 release feels like it was yesterday, but that was 20 something years ago. That's not Dude, yesterday. it is weird thinking about like my favorite era of shoes. Like, I think like 06, 07, 08. I, it was a very pivotal era, uh, moment for sneakers and for myself, you know, coming of age, like that's when I the time I went to college. And I think about those releases and those moments like there five years ago. And it's like, oh, whoa, those things were, were, oh, you know, a long time ago. Creeping up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing we've been able to connect on just in that time period. We both love Kobe. We both love Kobe yeah. shoes and we'll see each other wearing Kobe's and be like, yeah, I know you're a big fan of hooping in them. So that's yeah. like prime Kobe years. You know, 06 yeah. to 2010 is really, from a shoe perspective, yep. Kobe's golden year with Nike. Man, it, it's I was late to the Kobe-Nike run because um, when I was growing up, I loved playing the retros. Um, it, it was just that feeling of, of playing in something that felt like like you wanted to feel like the people you grew up watching, right? You grew up in the 90s. You wanted those 90s-looking sneakers, and it took me a while to really get to, like, start appreciating innovation in shoes. I think it was mm-hmm. the 08 Olympics when the Hyperdunk debuted and Kobe and everybody was were wearing them in Beijing. And you're like, oh, that performance shoe looks kind of cool. And if all the best players in the world are wearing it, it must be it must be cool. So I went in and I went and grabbed that pair um, and it changed everything. I was like, I will never go back to hooping in 20-year-old shoes again, technology-wise. I still like to hoop in like a Jordan 10 or a 7, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, and then once I got to Kobe's and I, and I started trusting the low tops, because I don't know if you remember, but like playing basketball in the 90s and the 2000s, oh, for some on. reason there, there was this like national fear of, of, of ankle injuries. Like we had the big ASOS uh, uh, ankle braces in high school. Mm-hmm. Our coach made everybody wear them. They had like four straps on them. I wore them for football and basketball. And then so the idea of low top sneakers was like, no way right like our ankles our ankles and i realized like yo i've never had an ankle injury uh, knock on wood and if kobe's wearing them then uh, he's playing at a much higher level than me so first shoe that i got and i really like kind of fell in love with from a kobe um, pov was the the kobe six because it's just a sick design oh yeah i need to jump out of the frame real quick but good i I have them on display here in my living room so i might as well grab them the um, the, yeah, this shoe, I, I really wanted the Grinch back then and like it is today, impossible to get. I remember getting a pair of these on eBay used like maybe when I was like 19 or 20. I was already like not playing, uh, you know, in high school anymore, but I was yeah. still hooping a lot. And once I put them on, I was like, oh, I'm probably never going to go back, yeah. uh, uh, go away from Kobe's ever again. So, so I'm going to go on a limb here because you brought up the 08 Hyperdunk. I have a pair of those 08 retros. And even in 2021, it's a very light durable hoop shoe you have the lightness of the kobe lightness of the hyperdunk you can't prepare that to a jordan 7 or 10 night and day we're going to get off this topic but before we do i have to know because a lot of people go back and forth between like what's the best retro jordan to play in i hear the 13 the 10 the 7 the 9 what's your favorite retro to play in i haven't played in every single one but i've played in a lot uh, I used to like, like it was like this goal of mine as I was like coming up as a sneakerhead to at least play one run in every shoe um, that I had, right? So I played in a lot of shoes that I regret playing in like an eight or nine. But for me, mm-hmm. the 10, particularly the steel 10 from the late 2000s, like that shoe is so bouncy, so comfortable. That leather is so soft. Like I, I would still play in that shoe to this day. And in a Cardinal 7 from the same era, man, those things like the, the, um, 
the fast the lining around the ankle like is just so freaking nice that both of those shoes like but it had to be those year right because yeah for the retros they changed things here and there so seven or, or a 10 for me man uh, to this day if it was from that era i'll still play in it if i if i had to a nice buttery leather can have yeah. such great support. It's that fast lacing system with a 10 too. It yeah. really gives you a good lockdown for old tech. It's just, man, it's just like, I remember first playing in it and I'm just like, this is so comfortable. It's a great outdoor shoe because by the time I had them, they're already kind of beat. So I would play in the playground with them and I'm like, oh, you can't beat this shoe. Like you're protected and, and you just felt so bouncy. So impressive for a shoe that old technology wise mm-hmm. for, for it to be that good still. Yeah. It didn't even have full length because full length zoom didn't come out until the Jordan 12. So for the 10 to feel that good, like. That's... Yeah, I, I should have been prepared. I have. No, nah, you're good, bro. From 0506. Uh, uh, around here, and it's just like you should, the, the soles off. It's like a display. It's like artwork now, but this is yeah. the same one that I was playing in all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we could go pulling shoes all day. It's yeah, like, yeah. I hear you. This thing we'll never, we'll never get to the topics if we start doing that. <laughs> never. So yeah. I mean, you alluded to it by moving to New York. L- let's just start with like the early part of your sneaker centric career. So yeah. New York would be complex for you. Um, yeah. How did that help shape? Marco in in this field in this space, uh, it was career defining. But before that, there was something that was even more important, right, to get yeah. my foot in the door, and that was thanks to uh, to Sneaker History's own Nick Engvall. Uh, I was living in San Francisco. I was working at Twitter headquarters at the time. I, you know, I've been working in tech for a couple of years. Just going to school in Silicon Valley is kind of a natural next step. You just move to San Francisco and you try to get a job in tech, and I was doing that. And one day, you know, he had just moved to finish line. I had been following his work along with the other like complex sneakers OGs, Nick, Brando, Russ, uh, you know, Joe, uh, all those guys I've been following forever. And um, and then one day he tweeted out. I still remember I had the tweet. I I tweeted out like every year because it's good about keeping tweets like that. You always have an important part of my life. But he tweeted out who wants to write about sneakers. And I was like, yo, here's my chance. So I I had like my own WordPress that I've been doing since college. And it wasn't like I was I wasn't like blogging every day but you know every time something that came up that i was passionate about i'll do a list like my favorite basketball shoes or etc um i sent him a couple links and i had done a couple pieces that i was proud of the writing wasn't very good but like at least it was enough for him to say hey this guy knows his stuff he's clearly already practicing and he has passion and he like he followed me back and then he dm'd me he's like yo let me send you some samples and mind you i'd never professionally written in my life um so so he sent them back and i and i remember the first one being the air jordan 10 venom green and i'm like in my room and i'm like i'm treating this like i'm like it's an article for the new york times right i'm like editing everything and i sent him and it's like it's like a two paragraphs right it's a blog and he gives me a shot man and then i ended up doing that for about a year and a half while i was working at twitter i basically would work nine to five nine to six back then it was more like eight to seven and then i'll get off of work and then i would stay at twitter for the free dinner and i would just grab a booth and just knock out articles for the finish line blog and i did that for for again like about a year and a half and and it was just that was really what pushed me over and then nick i was like yo nick i think i want to do this and he had always given me some good advice him and brando and then i decided like shoot i'm not really like super thrilled with like where my career is going here and if i don't make the move now and i keep putting it off for another year who knows if i'm ever going to get there so i said hey if i want to work in this industry and I, now i have about a year year and a half experience i got to go to where to where the, the employers are and at that time it was new york city so i move out there quit my job and i move out there and, and i reach out to a, a guy named john marcello who know who now heads up br kicks at bleacher report 
and him and I were like internet friends, right? Like, like a lot of us are like you and I were internet yeah. friends before we met in Portland. And, um, and I said, Hey, I've seen this, this, this job opening for a freelance writer at night, freelance news writer for complex sneakers. Like, you know, do you think you could put in a good word for me? And he did that. And I'm thankful for that. And then, yeah, I became a freelance writer for complex about a month after I landed in New York and I was working the night shift Monday through Friday, 7 PM to 12 midnight every day, about five or six articles. But like that was back when news was, was every every blog and outlet was really fighting for news hits now it's all social right or mostly yeah. social video but back then news mattered so you had all the all the big dogs competing for that so complex had a, basically somebody on news at every waking hour of the day weekends too so i did that and you know being a freelance writer isn't enough to survive in new york city or, or maybe in any city unless you're doing it at a really high level which i wasn't at that point i just had that one you know that one beat and uh, so I basically got another tech job in New York and I started doing the same thing over again. The nine to five, nine to six tech job, run, run to the train, run home, grab some food on the way home and then log in at 7 p.m. and have a few pitches ready for my editor, Matt Welty, um, at the time. And then just boom, hammer it out to midnight and then repeat that for uh, Monday through Friday. I did that for about eight, eight, nine months. And then I got an opportunity to work full time at Complex when John Marcello got promoted, came in as the social editor complex sneakers and complex style and then that's when things that really started rolling for me in, in a good in a good way you dropped so many gems there and why i love having people on the show is because you probably don't even realize how many gems you just dropped there here here's some of the big takeaways from it for our listeners here yes. you're trying to get into this space so number one even if it's not the most polished and professional blog have something to show nobody ever is going to take you for work if you say hey i can do this I know I can. Okay, yep. show me. And you can't show anything. Yeah. It's a pretty big problem. So have something to show. Be persistent, but not. So make friends is, is what I'm also trying to get to. So you made yep. friends with John. You made friends with Nick. And those genuine relationships are what's going to help you get the job, not putting the job first and the end goal first. You got to treat people like people. Yeah. And then just working. So a lot of people will feel like I can do this next year. I'll do it the year after that. You said you couldn't have it go another year. And when that light goes off, you either got to move or, or kind of, or don't move. So you made the choice to move. Other yeah. people need to not be afraid to just work that second job after your main job or do whatever you need to. So that determination you show through that story that's a, that's a big takeaway for some of our listeners who might be trying to get into sneakers or let's say you like just like fashion in general, right? Or yep. if you like comic books or if you like cards, whatever niche market you want to be in, you got you got to work. Yeah, um, man, it's tough too. And, you know, lucky I, I was in a position to do that, right? I could just pick up and leave like that. I know that's not a, oh, it's a, tough. a luxury that everybody has at that point. I'm, I was young. I was single, packed my bags and, and you know, my parents were gave me gave me the support that I needed and, and encouraged me to do that. I had some friends in New York that allowed me to crash with them when I got there because there's no way I could have got an apartment there because it was, you know, and the other thing I would say, though, to your first point is, is again, I learned the hard way. And I think a lot of us have too. is like passion just isn't enough when it comes to jobs. So like in college, when I graduated college, I was inter I was applying for all these like Nike jobs and and jobs in media that that I thought I was qualified for based off of the fact that I had a degree and I loved sneakers. And then you realize like, that's not enough, right? Like 
just being passionate about something is, is never going to be enough to make a career out of it. You got to put the, you got to, you got to figure out a skill set that's going to apply. So after years and years of just getting no replies back and being so frustrated, like, why aren't they calling me back? Look at me. I love sneakers. It's like, you can't display all that in a resume. So even if the work is not super polished or, or even if nobody's reading it, just getting those reps. in. I think for me, that's like my number one advice to anybody, start getting the reps in um, now and, and don't wait for someone to validate you or to pay you for it. And then by the time when the opportunity comes, you'll be a little bit more ready. Nobody told Kobe to shoot shots at 4 a.m. He did it on his own. So you got to be ready, man. What yep. it comes down to. So that complex um, job then prepped you for, I mean, let's be real. Most people who are fans of shoes, like the dream is having a job with Jordan. Yeah. So you then were able to parlay that into moving out to Portland. Yep. What did you do with Jordan? And um, I mean, I was a huge fan of what you did there. Like the editorials is nuts, but let's hear a little bit about the next step of your journey. Yeah, man, at, at Complex. So I did about a year of freelancing and another year in the office. And man, like that was like, it was like going to, going to get your, your master's in, in, in culture and in media, right? I got to work work with some of the, like the most talented people and learn from some of the the most talented people and then after after about a year of that i was like happy there i was like yo this like you know, i'm living in new york city i'm writing about sneakers uh, complex. I, was, I was pumped mm. like the type of people that i get to learn from every day from joe puma to julian patterson to russ bankston i was like yo i am i am like living the dream right now so when the jordan thing came up it was kind of out of the blue um they were looking for somebody who had a pr and editorial in the media background to join their, their global PR team in Beaverton. And, um, it just so happened that, that the agency at the time, Taylor agency, um, or Taylor PR, we worked with them at complex and, and, and they reached out to, to, uh, to John who had just taken a role at Adidas. So he, he kind of ooped it up to me. And so the complex thing is real, really served this all up and, and they gave me their blessings. You know, I told at the time, Julian and, and Joe LaPuma, I told them, Hey, I got this opportunity and they were all about it. And I mean, they were all supportive about it. They're like, Hey man, this is an opportunity you got to take. Um, and, 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 uh, we encourage you to do that. We support you through this. If you want to stay, that's great, but it, we didn't support you. So that, that support was great too. Cause I had owed them a lot, right? They took a chance on me coming from the tech world, just this random dude who had been freelance blogging and they gave me that role. So the fact that they supported me through that decision and encouraging me to take it well, was huge for me. Cause again, I did feel like I was indebted to them for the opportunity they had given me. And then when I get to, when I get to Jordan, man like you said earlier like it's everyone's dream job i'm everybody like that was me i walked in i walked in like uh, i remember being in uh new york taking the interview and i, I was like pretty set that i wasn't gonna move because i lo- i wanted to live in new york my whole life i'm finally there i've only been there for a couple of years and i didn't want to move to oregon no offense um and then i get off the call and i'm like oh, i think this is happening like i just felt the energy the role was too perfect and i got to and my first role in, in Oregon, you know, I booked that one-way flight. I'd never been to Portland in my life. Packed up my bags and, and, and headed out with, with, in about a month's notice. And um, I joined our global PR team, and it was just like, man, it just felt like the perfect role for me. They got they allowed me to do uh, all of the writing. So on Nike News, like today, for example, the big fall preview just came out where they break down every shoe that's coming out. That was like the first task I was given is like go, go storytell around what's coming out every season. And, and that gave me the opportunity to be in the rooms with our designers, with our collaborators, with our athletes and really get the insights. And for me, I'm just thinking about it from a, from a someone who loves sneakers. Like, um, how do I make every shoe feel special to somebody that ultimately buys it? So I was doing that. I, I was in charge of a lot of our media and influencer um, relationships. Um, 
and then we also did a lot of events, right? Previews and, and launch events, launching the game shoe, launching Russell Westbrook shoe, doing different pop-ups and activations at, at events like Paris Fashion Week and All Star and Super Bowl. So it was like a mixture of all of the coolest things you can probably you could possibly imagine. And, and I say that with gratitude, not not to brag. It really was a, a dream run for me there. I did that for about two and a half years, and then uh, about halfway through that, the Jordan blog, air.jordan.com was a different team, but they were focused strictly on storytelling, deeper storytelling, cultural storytelling, where I was still focused a lot on business, PR, that type of stuff, which I love, but I noticed that they were starting to ramp up there, so there was uh, the person who was running that that team. Um, I, I just pitched her. I was like, hey, I got a couple ideas. Um, her name is, is Kieran. She, she works at Apple now on their editorial team, and she was great, and she was like, yeah, I love it. Um, let's do it. So I, they allowed me to write a story for them. And again, I'm just like working on a different team. Like, Hey, I, this is also part of what, you know, what I've done and what my background is. I would love to just help. And, and that teamwork and, and then welcome me into that, into that team, which is like at a lot of big companies is not really, you don't really kind of like swim in other people's lanes. Right. But the mm-hmm. fact that they were so welcoming to me and encouraging me to help. And I'm just like, yo, I'm just going, I'm just, you know, I want to tell the best stories possible for this brand and, or help. So um, they let me do that. And I did that for about a year where I was doing both. Like I was, uh, I was doing the, all the PR and the comm stuff, which was awesome. And then I was also helping them um, with some of the writing, sourcing writers, sourcing photographers, stylists, things like that, and just kind of strategizing all right, uh, how to tell these stories a little bit deeper. And then after about a year of doing both, about two and a half years in, um, the opportunity came up for me to go lead that editorial team. Um, like basically lead all the creative on, on all the storytelling that we were doing. And I was just like, I had to choose really. And I was in such a blessed opportunity where my boss was like, Hey, you would be really good for this role. You're already doing it. And you know, we would love for you to stay on the team. So, um, you know, whatever you think is best for you and your career, we'll support that. And again, like my, my boss at the time, Sarah Blazing, she, she allowed me to make the decision. And again, like that, that, that's, you don't get that very often at that big corporation. So I went ahead and took, took that shot and joined the editorial team. And then I just moved to full-time storytelling um, interviews and, and, and kind of just became like the the, the, the editor-in-chief of, of that blog is the way that I approached it. How do we tell the best story for every shoe or every event? And, and it's not always gonna be me. In fact, most times it's not gonna be me, but I know I might know a writer uh, who, who can bring this to life in the way that's authentic. So I got to do that and work with some super talented people um, externally to bring them in and, and help them tell the stories for us it was it was incredible you can always feel especially at you know direct direct blogs so direct communications from a brand if the person running it or if the leadership is authentic with the storytelling if they really care because you can find sometimes i'm not going to name names but just like there's wrong information across every brand sometimes it's like okay did they really care was the attention to detail there and i feel like the air dot jordan stuff was always very literally on point so kudos to that what's crazy is is the next transition because you have like the greatest i guess in theory to externally every sneakerhead on earth you have the coolest job on earth so why then transition to your to your current role with soul savvy why was that intriguing to you well, I mean, for starters, I've known I've known DP, the CEO and the co-founder of, of SoulSavvy, and I've known Justin, his co-founder, for years. And, um, you know, from the Kicksdales days to, to just like he became a friend uh, over the last of the last five years or so. So I, I always believed in what he was building. And and then for me, I, you know, I'd spent the 
the last, I was lucky enough to spend the last five, five or so years in the industry from, from the media standpoint and the brand standpoint. And as you know, things have changed a lot, man. The sneaker experience isn't the same as it used to be when we were growing up or even five, five years ago for us, right? It's become increasingly harder to just enjoy shoes, right? Like it's almost like a challenge every day now to just enjoy the culture that our friends help build, right? Yeah. The people that we grew up with, uh, the, the other collectors, the people that we don't know, people like us who are just very passionate about this. So um, when I saw that what they were building, I was keeping an eye on it and I was supporting it. And then, um, you know, he gave me an incredible opportunity to not only come work for him, but to help build this company. And, you know, my roots were in Silicon Valley. That's where I started my career. So I knew that at some point, I, w I wanted to like build my own thing and, and kind of take that entrepreneur step. I just didn't know when it was going to come. And like the Jordan thing, it just came way sooner than I expected. And it just, it, you know, it worked out timing wise, right? Jordan brand and, and Nike were going through a lot of changes in the last year, um, a lot of hard times. And um, a lot of my friends and, 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 and managers and, and people that, that, that I really like learned a lot from there were, were no longer with the company or had moved on. So for me, I just started thinking about what's going to be next for me. And then DP um, did a really solid job of selling me on the future of this company. And then I just decided that it was best. And he was going to let me build my team and, and, and really try to stick up for the sneaker community that's been lost in this explosion of, of this industry, right? It's all about resale and profits. And, and he said, hey, we're all about the people and the passion. And, and that's music to my ears. I took the job and um, haven't looked back since. That's I'm going to keep saying beautiful because it, it really is like to have ultimately you're betting on yourself, right? Because you have super sweet job at Jordan. But again, something is clicking in your brain like I'm experienced in this tech world. I know that I want to help nurture and grow something. I have a great thing here, but it could be great over here. So it's not always looking for greener pastures. It's betting on yourself. It's not always looking what's the best opportunity, but where, where are you going to get the most out of it? So yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, I'm super confident in, in like the things that I've been able to learn over the years and the people that I've been able to learn from and, and I, my vision for myself, um, always extended beyond, beyond Beaverton, right? I was so lucky to be there, man. I wish I could have been there for a decade, but you know, timing wise, this was the right move for me and, and, and I'm excited for, about it. That's, that's great advice. Just, being open to change. So let me throw this at you. What's a piece of advice from one of the people we'd consider an OG or anybody you've come across in your work life? What's a good piece of advice that has helped you get to where you are today? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, this one doesn't have to be the best, but just what's um, one of them? I think one thing that I learned um, working for like a really big corporation from some of my friends who have been there for, for a long time is... is um, you just got to stay true to yourself and, 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 and what brought you there. Um, I'm not really good at like playing the politics of, of corporate America and nor did I ever really want to, to, to do that. But there are some places where it's necessary, right, to, to advance. And I just looked at some of the people that I looked up to and I, and I, I watched the way they move. Right. And if they were staying true to themselves, they're, they're being kind to other people and they were never doing anything that. Like, I never wanted to advance at the expense of somebody else, right? And I think that's that's pretty common when you think about just the way the corporate structure works. So some of the, like, the people that I worked with, you know, uh, they kind of, like, I learned from them. And, like, one of my good friends, uh, Hunter Mirera, he's, like, a Nike SB legend. 
Um, he worked at Nike for 20 years, and I worked with him at Jordan. And I saw how, how, he, how he was, man. He just came to work every day, super passionate, really great at his job, but never let, uh, like, he, he just always treated people w- with kindness, right, and never let the politics and uh, of work get in the way of what this is all about, man. Like, and, and that was our, our goals and trying to serve our, our consumer base in our community. And again, like, I don't know, it's, it's not the most like profound advice, but I think it's just no, like it the way people treat people. Right. Like it's, it, it, there's you a lot have of to step over people to get, yeah, there's a lot of benefits to, to playing the, the politics at, at companies. And this is not specifically like at my last company or in, but just in general, yeah. I'm sure you, you realize that. And one thing that I learned from the people that, that I admire is that, that's not the only way to win. Mm-hmm. No, it really isn't. I mean, some people at companies are gatekeepers and don't want you to surpass them or are afraid. Um, this general of that is everybody can eat sometimes. You know, you don't have to step on somebody else's neck to get to where you want to go to. So yeah. that is really good advice. I actually yeah. have one more that, that like no, go for really, it. really good advice. Um, and and uh, it was from Reggie at Jordan, uh, Reggie Saunders just like absolute legend in this industry. And I remember he was telling me like, don't ever let, you know, the company you work for become more important um, uh, than, than you in, in your identity and, and your, in you and who you are in your character. Right. And so he, I just remember this like advice he has said where he was just like one time people, someone introduced him as Reggie from Jordan and he corrected them kindly and said, Hey, no, I'm Reggie Saunders. Like that's my job and it's not who I am. It doesn't define me. And I thought that was super profound, especially when you love the brand you work for, right? You want to represent it to the fullest, but it's important to not to let those type of things define you and understand mm-hmm. that, outside of work you still you still are your own person you have your own identity and you got to keep that top of mind too here's a different example i know you've come across too and any listener of this podcast has also nobody likes being described as marco henry the sneakerhead to people as an acquaintance like mom bro i actually have like a whole personality i just also like shoes it's just like you're you're the sneaker guy and it's like well i'm more than just a sneaker guy but it's easy just to draw that kind of conclusion it's, it's again, easy to get pigeonholed into like oh you're the sneaker dude or you're the creative dude because it, like it's it sounds like a compliment but oftentimes it's also like holding you back and saying like you know i do other things too you know i write yeah. I, I record a podcast i uh, i strategize right like i grow businesses like when you say that about somebody especially in the work setting you're kind of like oh that's just what they do they just grew up mm-hmm. like sneakers like which is a you know which is a skill in itself doing all the research and and, and education but it, it should never define you you're involuntarily pigeonholing somebody even yeah. you're trying to be nice for sure for sure um, so you kind of touched on this this next question here but a big one i have had on my mind is what's one sneaker trend <laughs> you would like to see come back come back i talk about this all the time but i i, I remember when we i say we because i think we're around the same age like maybe yeah like, 31 32 yeah late 2000s like 2000 let's just say 2010 really great time for sneakers um i remember when you would see somebody rocking a shoe that was like just a classic or or an og it didn't have to be like super limited or hyped or rare it just had to be like a good shoe and you and like you you would respect that they they would feel fresh wearing it right like i just remember we've seen somebody with like a pair of great fives back then or or infrared sixes or even back then this is before the one trend someone were rocking some royals and just like that's dope because you kind of had that connection where you know that it's it, they had to work to get that shoe because they were still hard to get and now i feel like everything's just like 
tied to money and how rare it is. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a shoe that'll drop that's just absolutely fire, like no pun intended, the fire red four from that drop last year. I just think that shoe's beautiful. It's the shape, it's a classic colorway, but like the there's there's people in the new generations of sneakerheads that won't recognize that shoe as being great because it doesn't sell for a thousand dollars so i would love for people to just go back to liking what means a lot to them and what they think is is dope and less about how much is this shoe worth like that's a trend that, that, that i hope comes back i know a lot of people still still do that yeah. right? I really like those people but i get that it's hard too right um with all the pressure of keeping up with the latest big collab or whatever I feel like it's sad because you're more likely to have, let's say, because I've been wearing these a lot, the the what the fives. Yep. Not not a lot of resale value. I love Jordan fives. I'll never have most of the shoes that make up that shoe. Yeah. I love wearing it. But there's somebody on this earth who's clowning his friend because like, oh, that shoe's not that shoe's not rare. That shoe's yeah. not hot. It's like. Yeah. Who gives a shit like this? I like wearing this shoe. Like I love. I turn one way, it looks one way. I turn another yeah. way, it's yellow. Like. This, where yeah. what makes me happy? Yeah, that's the trend I want to come back is people just wearing what they genuinely think it's hot, not what the internet tells them is hot. And it's okay mm-hmm. to be influenced, right? And to think that what's on trend is cool too. But um, I think it, it, sneakers are a lot more fun when you just like get geeked out about the things that you like versus what what uh, is selling for a lot of money. You're a big eBay buyer, like old eBay buyer. So like shoes are such a great space because yeah, you can have the latest and greatest Travis Scott shoe, or you could go 15 years back and pick up some heat and just look at it from a different perspective. Like yeah. I've always wanted these. These are cool to me. Not fuck Travis Scott. I have a pair of his shoes. I love wearing them, but mm-hmm. like you can go a different direction than just what's the newest. Yeah. And there's so much cool stuff to uncover. Even if you just got into shoes a year ago, like uh, there's all these different, like there's all these different eras of sneakers. You can go back and find things that were just super cool and, and maybe you didn't know about them. I love finding shoes that I didn't know existed or I forgot they existed and being like, yo, that shoe was dope. Like, I think I want that. Mm-hmm. They age better. You're like, you see it 10 years later and it's like, okay, at the time that wasn't very cool, but now yeah. I'm feeling it. Very yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I love finding just like, like the, the youth section uh, at a lot of marketplaces is, is, is full of good stuff, right? Like if, if you just like are, are down to hunt a little bit, that's, that, that's, that's like the part of singers that's still a lot of fun to me. So I'm just going to give my quick two cents. I think it'd be cool if we stopped caring so much about being brand specific. Like if you like that Reebok t-shirt, wear a Reebok t-shirt with some Jordans, like nobody's paying you. <laughs> like I, I, I would like to see people as be more. It doesn't all have to be a walking billboard for your favorite brand. You can you can yeah. mix it up. Some people think that's sacrilegious, but if, I think the socks should match the shoes. But outside of the socks, you can wear a different pair of shorts. No one no one should give you any <laughs> hard time for a Puma Puma shorts with Nikes. Yeah. In my I mean, opinion, at the end of the day, uh, I won't mix friends for outfit just as a personal rule. See, everybody's but at the end different. Of the day, I, like if you're liking what you like and what makes you feel dope and makes you feel confident, then nobody else should have some criticism about that you know um as long as your inspiration is global warming you can wear anything you want um (laughs) so what's one trend that's out here now that you like to see go away that isn't that isn't the flip side of the first one i think um I, i hate to say it man but when i was growing up fake shoes were fake shoes and and I think the bootleg trend has had a significant part in sneaker culture. Yep. When you go back to obviously Bapes or or other shoes throughout history that were sending a really like 
thought-provoking message and, and really kind of had a bigger picture idea to them. But I think now just like slapping your logo on on a on a shoe from the uh, Alibaba uh, marketplace and then and claiming it as your own design, uh, I I just I, I don't yeah you know I I just don't think that's like I don't think that's very creative. And again, if that's how you're making money, then then and, and you built a following. We talked about this in the, in, in the Soul Saving newsletter last week because of the Nike like uh, trademark news or the patent news. And I'm just saying like, hey, if you built a following off of bootlegs more power to you but if you really think you're you know super creative and you're a designer and this is your perfect opportunity to prove it right uh, you mm-hmm. can only like if, if you just if every single one of your of your popular designs are based off of a shoe that is 36 37 years old and, and already establishes the best shoe in the world I, I think that you could try a little harder so i think that trend is just like again man maybe it's just like the era that we came up in but fakes were never cool no that's Those are legit fakes like they're 100 they percent there's nothing real about them they just cost you way more and you're cognizant of it. Like, yeah. just... And I get it. It's, it's definitely like a result of, of the market being so hot right now and it being impossible mm-hmm. to get shoes. But I just think like if you had to resort to wearing fakes, then like you're missing the whole point of, of, of why shoes are cool, right? Like some of them are not supposed to be easy to get. See, and again, it sucks. But like if you, if you know, that goes back to the hunt, the thrill, like getting a shoe, it feels just feels so much better when, when, when you acquire that shoe you wanted versus settling for a fake. It takes, like I said, it didn't take very much skill to just put a different logo where the Jordan swoosh, I mean, where the Nike swoosh should go on a Jordan 1. But I think where it does start becoming creative and where these people shouldn't be looped into the same thing, like JBF Customs and the Shoe Surgeon, that's a real skill to create. And co- they're, they're cobbling pretty much a brand new, be it a Jordan or whatever brand it might be. But, like, that's real skill. So, like, I don't consider those to be in the same lane. As yeah. a fake shoe, yeah, um, yeah. I think constructing or, or or customizing is its own lane. It's mm-hmm. it's not like my thing, but you know, I, I definitely don't consider them the same either. I think fakes are fakes, man. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to to like you're you're ordering a fake shoe, all the materials are fake. You know, so that mm-hmm. that's one that I, that I like to see it go away. The next one, I'm gonna be nice here, but I think I think the I think the aging shoes trend has gone a little too far. Like we're aging shoes that are already aged. And I'm just yes. like, man, like, because to me, it's like it's like the rush to be an OG, right? Like the whole the original aging is wearing your shoes, and I get it. Like, if you're a collector, it's hard to beat a shoe up because you have so many options. But I don't know. For me, I'm just like, all right, we get it. Because I remember when I used to try to de-yellow my shoe, and I get yeah. it. Like, I'm not gonna be the old man yelling at, at clouds, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, what's going on? I think we're taking it a little too far, a little too literally, you know. I think you remember in middle school, there was a point growing up where, like, people were fake skating their shoes, like, yeah. up their shoes more to make it look like, yeah, I'm in these streets, I'm skateboarding all day long, and you're really just, like, cutting up your laces and, like, rubbing Dude, I paper. remember that. You would, like, people would rub their shoes against the grip tape. The, the biggest, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest giveaway back then was when you cut your laces with, like, scissors, because, like, yeah. it was a badge of honor to have your laces bust because you were just, like, you know, you were skating them. But you could tell when somebody cut it, the cut was too clean. <laughs> like there was no frizzle to it. So I, yeah, you're right. It's to me, it's like that. And again, like I've seen some really dope age shoes. I mean, obviously Off White and Union and Nigel Sylvester and Alma Monier, those all come with an aged tint to them. But I think like we don't need to age every single shoe that comes yeah. out. Um, and I think that it's rewarded on social media, right? Like like a lot of the like the blogs is just like, you're gonna. You're yeah. gonna repost what you know is going to get people going but as a result we're here now and i'm like 
I don't know if we need to age those shoes. They're already kind of cooked. All of those shoes you just mentioned are aged for storytelling purposes, not for aesthetic. Yeah. It yeah. is an aesthetic choice, but like ultimately, sure. there's a reason behind it, not because it's it's cool. Yeah. Um, so, two last questions here. This one, I had to think long and hard about my shoe so far of 2021. But what's your favorite release so far of 2021? Man, I really hate to say it because everyone's saying it, but I finally got. I finally got my hands on the Amamanier 3, and it's a great shoe, man. Like, I've, I'm a big fan of, uh, of James, and, and I've had the opportunity to, to meet him on a couple occasions and, and, and do a couple stories uh, on him for past Jordan releases. And um, so I, I already knew I was going to I was gonna love something that he came up with, but that shoe is just, like, beautifully crafted. It looks great on feet. I love a shoe that you could just keep wearing, mm-hmm. like, without even thinking about it, and that shoe is that shoe's good. So that's up there for me. Um I uh, I've been you know breaking out into other brands uh, lately, which I haven't done in a few years. So uh, I've been pretty excited about some other shoes. Um, I really like the, the the Pata New Balances that they did earlier this year. I thought that was a great shoe. Uh, I haven't found the right opportunity to wear it yet, but now that summer's here, I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be able to bust those out. Um, I like the Bricks and Woods New Balance that just came out a couple of weeks ago. I was able to check out check out that pop-up release they did here in LA. I just love seeing new energy, right? Like we, we don't, we can keep, we can keep creating new trends and, and new um, hits, right? It doesn't always have to be the same ones. You know me, I'm a Jordan one guy, so yeah. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell people to move on from the iconic silhouettes. Cause I never will, but I love when I see new stuff pop up too. So I would say like those three have, have, have like come to mind first as like shoes. I've just been really excited about this year. Okay, Killer. So, I mean, you've now, you said that you've now started experimenting with other brands who do you think's poised to have like the best second half of 2021 be it a brand or a, a collaborator or a line who, what do you think's up for 2021 second half man um i have to start off by saying like like jordan is just yeah i'm a homer and, and but that like i'm a jordan guy through and through it's, it's just like they're almost like just contenders every year right like mm-hmm. you can't ever that that's the longest dynasty uh in the entire industry like you can't ever count them out i know that they have some heat coming out they're they're gonna own the industry again but that doesn't mean that like there's not more people kind of like fighting for that top spot so i think jordan's mm-hmm. gonna do some exciting stuff of course i just have to say that because i don't want people to think that oh i'm counting them out they're just so big that you just have to mention them, yeah right? and, and they do have some exciting stuff that i've heard that's going to be coming out this year that's going to bring new energy to, to new silhouettes but um, I think New Balance is on is is like on a insane run right now. Like the last couple of years, they're just choosing the right collaborators. They're they're bringing energy to the right shoes. They're introducing new silhouettes, which is hard to do. Right? When's the last time we've seen new silhouettes take off the same way that some of theirs have? Right? It's like from any brand. It's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be exciting. Um, I you know I'm not a big Reebok guy, but uh, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for um, Kirby and and that new direction that they're going in with their with, with their whole him being the creative director there like I think it's exciting to know that there's a brand out there that's kind of been off the off the radar for a while and that they're putting a lot of real genuine resources into in trying to make them um, a contender again so I'm excited to see that I, I can't remember the last time that I was into sneakers where this many brands were winning at once. And I think that's dope. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it's everybody, right? Like we haven't even got a peek at what 
fear God or Jerry Lorenzo Adidas is going to look like. I'm sure that's going to come out of nowhere and surprise us. So I guess the answer to that is that it's, I hate to, to be a, a cop out answer, but I really don't remember a time in, in, in sneaker culture where this many brands could have the shoe of the year by the time it's all said and done or, mm-hmm. or be in the top five, you know? Yeah, like the um, that be like water or like you know that yep. New Balance coming out that yeah. is turning some heads. Uh, there's gonna be a couple of shoes that turn heads. That's my shoe of the year hasn't come out yet. I think it's gonna be that Lightning Four, man. Like yeah, that's gonna I be wanted that shoe for so long. Yeah, that that's gonna be it once that drops. That's the gym. yeah. I always give um, I'm always gonna give extra points to a shoe of the year. That's a new silhouette, though. Um, so it's so easy for a, for a retro to be shoe of the year, and most of the time they're deserved. Like mm-hmm. the Union one was by far the shoe of the year. But think about the other years where like an obscure or a new shoe won. There were always new silhouettes. The mm-hmm. the Sakai uh, uh, Vapor or the Sakai Waffle was a new silhouette. It was a remix, but it was still new. Um, the Acronym Presto, which is also considered to be the shoe of the year. So I'm excited to see like what update to a silhouette or new silhouette can come in because those will always get like uh, i don't know if it's recency bias like or the opposite of recency bias but when the new silhouette pops up i think that brings a whole new energy to to a a great retro collab or or colorway which are always going to be you know at the top anyways because we have to keep it moving you don't want shoes to be stagnant you know okay it's 2021 we've made all the shoes like no there's still more stuff to be done if that mars yards 2.5 comes out yeah, that's gonna be a shoe that that like it's just exciting and it's it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just it's just fun. I, I love the rollout. I love I love him telling you beat the shoe up. Like I think that I think that's cool. Tom is his own energy for sure. Yeah. Um. So Marco Henry man, tell me what's up with um anything you want to plug. What's up with Soul Savvy? We're gonna get out of here. Yeah, man. If, if you are if you love sneakers and um you love the sneaker community. Which I know your whole audience does. That's 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 ready. I'm talking to the right some people. overlap here. Yeah, check out Soul Savvy, man. Uh, it's uh, Soul Savvy uh, with one V uh, on all social accounts, and yeah, consider a membership. I, what we're trying to do here is is put again passion and people before profits when it comes to the sneaker industry. Our number one goal is to help real sneaker heads and people that just love shoes get the shoes that they want and have fun again, right? It shouldn't have to be this difficult. There's a lot of work to do. Um, we're going to need brands to step it up as well and retailers. But when they started this company, it was with that goal. How do we just help people enjoy shoes again? And we, you know, we have some big plans this year. And if, if that's something that appeals to you, check it out or hit me up. I'm happy to talk about it. We have a community right now, thousands of people across North America that are just 100 percent dedicated to moving sneaker culture forward, helping each other out, helping people cop kicks. Um, we, we spend a lot of time and resources giving you the tools that you need to 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 buy shoes. It's so hard. You know, we hear about the bots. We hear about the different apps that don't work. Uh, we can't guarantee it, but I, I think that we're giving people the best shot to buy to buy shoes manually for retail. So you uh, truly do. Check it out, man, for sure. You get a great shot there. And we have some members of our Discord who are, you know, again, cross members yeah. with Soul Savvy. And awesome. it's great stuff. Um, yeah. Where can they find you online? Yeah, so it's uh, at Soul Savvy first, and then if you want to if you want to check me out, it's at Marco Henry, M A R C O H E N R Y on on Instagram and Twitter. I'm a little bit more active on Twitter, but I'm you know I'm always down to talk talk kicks. That's that's how uh, um, Robbie and I first connected. That's how Nick and I first connected, and I'm always down to, to connect with smart people too. You are the Twitter god. 
But we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for dropping some knowledge. Make sure you're following Ask Sneaker History. And everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, And we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.